following The Leftovers, the officially unofficial podcast for The Leftovers on HBO. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. Uh, tonight we're covering Season 1, Episode 2, titled Penguin 1, Us 0. That's an interesting title. There's a, there's a penguin in this episode staring at Kevin and not sure exactly what that means, but I'm sure we'll talk about it. Uh, we're going to kind of break this down into characters. Because the show itself kind of breaks it down into characters, doesn't it? Yeah, there's They're very, isolated. In this episode, anyway, there's very little cross-pollination points, mm-hmm. so it's easy to do that. Before we started yeah. talking about the characters, mm-hmm. um, I want to talk maybe a couple of themes. Um, okay. And, and I don't know, maybe we can weave some of this into the podcast. Like, uh, There's a couple of things I was laid out. Number one, I want to talk about the title sequence. Mm-hmm. Number two, I want to talk about comparisons to lost whether they're justified whether people are sick of them whether they're useful at any point Mm -hmm. and i also want to talk kind of overall about uh the mystery experience that we're getting this story but i feel like that's definitely more sure that's in there with the lost. that's not so meta as the first two sure uh, the title sequence I definitely want to talk about. We'll get to the second one and see if you want to punt. But All right. my 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 big question is, this wasn't in the pilot episode. I didn't think so. Yeah. But this is this purporting, in your opinion, when you're watching it, is this purporting to be an in-universe work or an out-of-universe work? In other words, yeah, yeah. is people within The Leftovers, are, are they producing this work of art? Mm-hmm. Or is this the producers and writing and the other people making the television show producing a piece of art that's supposed to inform us and set a particular bent to this series? I think given the nature of Heroes Day um, and kind of how they're trying to remember and glorify these people, uh, you know, just searching for an answer and meaning, I think this is probably an in-universe work. I think – it, it's meant to like it's clearly showing the disappearing, all these these babies being taken away, family members, friends, all that. It it feels to me like the people in this universe, someone would probably create some artwork like this. And when we say artwork like this, this is a depiction of like a Judeo Christian rapture, sure. except for mm-hmm. you know, with some not mainstream Judeo-Christian concepts. Like it seems like that there's, you know, gay couples being split up by the rapture. Sure. There's yeah. potential adult. I thought there was a nod to the apparently adulterous relationship that Kevin was carrying on during their, um, so and no moral judgment on any of that here. I'm just saying no, no, that no. that's mm-hmm. if, if, if a work of a, it's, it's a religious work. Yeah. It's, it's weird. This An show overtly seems to religious work. Yes. But it seems to have flipped a religion on its head quite a bit. Uh, I mean, as Christopher Eccleston is saying in the first episode, these are not all good people. This is certainly not a traditional view of the rapture. Um, It's kind of a modified version of it. The reason I want to talk about this is because I saw a lot of people in our threads, a lot of people on Reddit, saying that this, taking it to be more of an out-of-universe work. Okay. Which I think you can make that argument, but yeah, I certainly. think where we're at now that it's kind of up in the air with this in-universe out of – where this is supposed to inform us of how we are to view the events of the show. And, sure. And even if it's – I find it hard to argue against that because if even if it's an in-universe work, that still, by making your title sequence, it does seem like, hey, 
this is the co- proper context to evaluate the show. Yeah, I, I think there are a lot of lines being blurred in this series, and that's one of them, certainly. The thing that plants it in universe for me is kind of the end of it, where it pans out and you see, oh, this is painted on some ceiling of some chapel somewhere, much like the Sistine Chapel. Or government building. or uh-huh. it's, it's certainly, certainly. never nothing in our real world. That's a good argument. It's, it's not in our real world, but it's something that someone would do in a world, sure. which this fictionalized world kind of seems like the place for that to happen. I mean, it's set up for that. If you knew that this was Damon Lindelof... Uh, I do know that. No, <laughs> that it was him saying, no, seriously, this is just straight-up rap, Judeo-Christian rapture oh, okay. uh, deal. Uh, sunglasses coming over his face, deal with it. Do you? Would that turn you off? Uh, is that a neutral observation? Is that something you're more interested in? Um, it's certainly something that I'm personally less interested in, but I don't think it changes the show necessarily i think whatever you want to call this event that happened it happened the happening <laughs> the happening certainly if you want to call it that it happened regardless of why it happened regardless of what caused it to happen it happened and now the show doesn't care about that right and the show cares about the people and how they deal with it afterward okay this seems because i this seems like a good segue to the next i just want to put my two cents because i've kind of explored how you feel okay I don't care either way because sure. I personally do not subscribe to Judeo-Christian religious anything. Sure. But I do feel like that it's a very rich source to draw on Absolutely, in fiction. Absolutely, yeah. And like, their art is a perfect example, right? Certainly. The yeah. art, uh, you get into some of the really uh, hoary nooks and crannies of Catholicism and, and uh, Judaism and some of the obscure sects and the Apocrypha. Mm. There is lore for days, man, oh, yeah. and I am definitely a lore whore. Yeah, it's a, a lore whore's wet dream, certainly. Backstory and, and all this stuff and stuff, and it's why I'm kind of really excited about the new Constantine series, because mm-hmm. I really like the Constantine film for the fact that it's like an action flick set in the you know set in modern Bible times. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, that's my opinion on it. Now, let's dovetail into this whole kind of mystery thing. Okay. Some people are cranky about our constant talk about Lost and whether it's going to be another Lost or another X-Files and whether we should give Damon a Sorry, clean slate. that's unavoidable. It's going to happen when Damon Lindelof's name is attached to a show. But they're like, well, you know, they've addressed all this. And sure. I – this is the first This is the first episode where the back – the hair on the back of my uh, neck is starting to rise. And that they're very clear about this isn't – they don't care about the happening uh-huh. that we're following – of the leftovers, uh, <laughs> Christ! They don't. Where's Kevin Bacon? Let's get him in here. They, well, our show is six. It's not. It's like one degree separated from yeah, Bacon. There's zero point. degrees. He's our first degree. cousin. I I feel like that. Yes, that was an honest statement that they are not interested in explaining this event. Okay. The the uh, departure or whatever. Mm-hmm. However, they seem hell bent on raising a bunch of mysteries and inviting us to speculate on what's going on, what's not. Certainly, to the st- extent that I already have made this the comment that if we're at the end of season one and we still don't know where this dog shooter is real or figment uh, of imagination, I'm out. I'm out. You're giving I'm it a out. whole season. I'm. I really... give it like an episode, maybe two, so at max. At, by the end of episode four, if they haven't resolved the dog shooter conundrum, Here's whether he's crazy or not, you're out? 
if they keep jerking me around on it, that's the thing I don't like. Okay, I get you're trying to walk a line, but you're pulling me so far to one side and then so far to the other side that, yeah, it averages out to the line, but I'm never on the line, right? Mm. So, like, <laughs> you're you're explicitly telling me, and do we want to talk about this right now? Let's just go into Kevin's stuff. Okay, yeah, let's launch into Kevin. Or do, do we have more to talk about Lost? Because I feel like there's a, a lot of stuff there uh, as far as, like, people comparing this show to well, here's, Lost. Okay, so let's here's, – here's the people, the case against Lost in a nutshell. Okay. And we've had this debate off mic. In sure, fact, we've sure. had a bunch of debates about the show off mic. Mm-hmm. Try to do less of that. <laughs> <laughs> um, the case against Lost is you set down this fascinating premise and, and – and, added a whole bunch of mysteries and a whole bunch of questions, and you promised in interviews and in Comic-Con appearances and over again to present that there would be satisfying answers, that this isn't just making up as a good, this isn't going to be an X-Files situation, and then arguably the loss turned into an X-Files situation where they did actually wrap it up and give answers, but it weren't the answers. It wasn't the science fiction fantasy type answers. It was more... Yeah, yeah you know religious mythology type answers and it was a zig where the show arguably should have zagged and there's a lot of people saying well, the show said it was going to zag because that show was pitched from early on as a sci-fi mask as a drama and that's how he got this quote-unquote sci-fi series into production certainly as he masked it as a human drama and there was a lot of that in it but ultimately it did not end up being a sci-fi anything right okay i mean i bailed on season two because i saw that this i I felt like this had a very strong X-Files, and I was super involved in the X-Files, and I was very disgusted at the way that that show just limped off and died with no real <laughs> answers and cast changes, and it was just embarrassing yeah, to everyone involved. Yeah, that was brutal. And I'm like, you know what? If Lost turns out to be like one of the agers, it's going to still be there on DVD. Absolutely, yeah. And But then I heard that the at best the finale was a crapshoot about whether you liked it or not, and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of glad I didn't invest seven years of my life into watching that. Okay, I mean, I'm glad I did, because the ride along that path was fantastic. And that is uh, one of the perfect rejoinders to the I wasted my life. Well, did you really? I mean, were you not entertained uh, (laughs) Maximus style? Uh Uh-huh, I was, totally. And I was deep in the forums and podcasts and theories. It was a lot of fun. That's true, and I, I had a similar experience to the X Files, except for I gotta say I'm a lot more angry about that because it feels like huh. right around the season after the movie, it became clear that this every opportunity they had to answer a question, they instead preferred to ask two new questions. <laughs> yeah, and eventually for sure. that just gets to be you're not you're not build, you're not weaving a sweater, you're making a fishnet with tons of holes and things just fall and things don't make sense. Yeah, and, yeah, and. So we had a debate about this, and you threw this interview with, uh, I believe it was Stephen King. Yeah, there's Stephen King. You know, he's worked on a lot of television and written books as well, obviously. Right. Um, So he has kind of a perspective from both angles where you're kind of creating toward, um, toward a potential end goal, but you can't go back and change anything you've done versus writing a book where you can change everything until the moment you publish it. Well, there's also the concept of, like, there's two types of storytellers. There's the architect okay. that plots out this stuff in advance. Before they write anything. Yeah. And then works backwards to get people to believably kind By of go By the way, that. there are so few of those because that almost never works. <laughs> there's others that are gardeners, like Martin, George Martin from uh, Game of Thrones, worryingly calls himself a gardener, where they're like, mm-hmm. I've got this 
this garden of characters, and they're going to make organic decisions. And I'm going to prune Great. the one, I'm going to prune the ones I don't like, and I'm going to put focus on the ones I do, and I'm just going to see where it goes. And maybe yeah. I'll have a little bit of shaping, but it's mostly going to be storytelling by revealing. I feel like that works great mm-hmm. in a lot of things, especially character studies, um, You know, things where you've got this bold mission statement where I want to see a high school chemistry teacher, you know, <laughs> Mr. Chips to Scarface. Scar- that's, that's beautiful, yeah. That you can garden all day long because you've got great characters, great actors. It's all working. Mysteries? You can't prune a wild garden and reveal a mystery. No, you can't. Like if you if you prune vegetation and up jumps uh, a Mayan temple, someone put that Mayan temple there. Uh huh. And you got to know why it's there, what purpose it was, and why the character should care, or you're going to have a bad time. You might do da dumb luck into a satisfying answer, but most of the time you're going to be jerking uh, viewers along. And I feel yeah. like that is where the tightrope they're walking with this this series because mm-hmm. it is a character study about what people would do in this extreme situation. Super excited. But it's also this stuff with Kevin where is this guy he's seeing in his head real? Is he not real? Yeah, it's super interesting because this is based on a book. So we presumably have the answers to these mysteries that they're putting in front of us, right? I, I don't I've know. never read the book, so I don't know anything I got, about it. I got some spoilery takes that I, you know, I'm not going to read, obviously, and I'm probably not going to remember because I don't have any context for it. So yeah, I'd prefer not to have those. Whatever. Uh, there is a light spoiler take if you're curious about how the book resolves things. To the answer of whether the book gives answers or not, there's a slight okay. spoiler that I thought was interesting. I'm going to read at the very end of the podcast, and I'll give you ample warning to shut off if you don't want any book knowledge. Okay. Um, certainly nothing we're going to be talking about is, is book spoilers because neither one of us has read it. Yeah. Um, what I, I kind of got, because I've, I've, I've understood this is a fairly short story. Mm-hmm. I think what's going to happen is if I'm really into this series and it's not a clusterfuck, at the end, you know, we traditionally have a wrap-up cast a week after the finale hits. I'm going to read the book in that week. Yeah, not a bad And then idea. talk about the differences between and see if there's anything we can glean. And maybe it'll be spoiler, maybe not. I don't know. It yeah, on... I'm going to do that with all the Game of Thrones books, too. <laughs> in the one week between the end of, yeah. Good luck. <laughs> uh, I don't even know no, that's, that's a... physically possible right. if you didn't even sleep or anything. Because I, I read them pretty quick. <laughs> but Kevin um... Trudeau could do it. Uh yeah, no, that, that's a good idea. I think we should do that. And I think that's where – so anyway, this is all to say I think this is where – and we're not going to keep harping on this. No. But this is where the lost comparisons can come to because if you've got uh, you know, a lover that you broke up with because they told a bunch of lies and they ran up your credit card and then they wrecked your car <laughs> – and then four, and they shot your dog. Four years come past, and they've you know they've they've lost some weight, and they they're looking right, and they're saying all the right things, and you're like, okay, <laughs> I'll let you back in my life. The very first mysterious charge coming through in your credit card. Oh yeah, yeah. It's going to be table flipping World War Three arguments, which is one argument for not going back to the relationship. Well, sure, sure. But this is the situation we're in here, and we are. And I already am calling bullshit on a lot of the pre. Uh, the preseason coverage where he's saying, no, this is going to be, oh, I'm interested in mysteries because he obviously is. 
mysteries yes certainly there is mystery in this show it's not necessarily the same type of mystery right but there is mystery don't say that there's not <laughs> no and and also i just i just my patience for those being drug out for multiple seasons if i feel like that he doesn't have the answer to the questions he's asking yeah yeah i'm gonna be out and i feel like dragging this dog catcher dog shooter thing into you know or the 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 mystery about these asian women Sure. Why she's so important. Yeah, Wayne's little compound thing. The, those type of things, they and, better... And the magic hugs. Like, is this really a magic hug? We'll that talk I'm about not, all of it. See, that I'm not too bothered by. Let's get into the episode now that we're kind of getting to the nitty-gritty. Okay. Start with Kevin. Sure. Let's start with Kevin. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off badass season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre, we're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was, and those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. Uh, wakes up with Amy in his bed. We, uh, obviously a dream sequence. We, we find I, out we it's a, that out immediately. It, it, it's a dream sequence. I didn't until they actually started walking out in the snow naked. Um, okay. Then we see the dog shooter is drawing a bead on somebody and shooting him. It looks like it's definitely a guilty remnant. It looks like it. There's somebody in a white robe, his ex or his it, wife. I thought it looked a lot like his wife as well. Potentially. I mean, she's got... A, a yarn's mess of hair up there. So she's got the hairstyle from the, the from Maroda from Brave. Yeah, the hairstyle out of something from the craft. Uh, <laughs> it cannot be tamed. Definitely not. I think it might be his his wife. I thought it was too, but it's also such a short. And I paused it, and it's like every frame yeah, yeah. was motion blurred. Sure, sure. So it defied my attempts to like enhance, enhance. I need to get the CSI guys in here. Yeah. So you got. The big question, though, is what does this dream mean uh, in context? And why? And are I his, don't know that I have an answer to that. And why are his feet on on fire? Sure, that's a good question. 
you know, there's a there's an email in our feedback section from a person who's like ideal uh, identifying the different ways people in this show are reacting to this situation, and it's like you know, there's checking out. There's getting sure. involved in the cult. There's starting cult. There's screaming, r- screaming underwater rebellion. The one <laughs> thing that I'm not seeing is just white hot rage. Like it's been murderous. three years. I wonder if that's dealt with. I, I feel like it's just starting. You think? Because so? you think Wayne at, is part of that? Maybe he's or super Kevin. intense. I'm talking Kevin and mm. the common man. Like, look at the boiling over and it, I, I i take that this is the first time something like this happened when the guilty remnant showed up at a heroes sure. day thing yeah clearly a lot of people are angry and that is the one reaction just anger like you know mur- almost a murderous type of anger um yeah it's interesting though i don't know if those people would label themselves as as angry no of i don't think not. they would realize it of even though not. they've attacked these peaceful protesters they probably still wouldn't sure just like you know, I mean, think about the people that would like be tempted to punch somebody from the Fred Phelps ministry, whatever the hell they're sure, they sure. Are. yeah. Um, you know, protesting a soldier's funeral that's mm-hmm. entirely understandable. I would hate to see yeah. them get pressed or have charges pressed against them, probably, you know, would, but um, I don't think that I would describe that person as exceptionally angry. They were in a situation where fighting words were being used and the fight broke out and yeah, yeah. they were provoked. So, you know, even whatever. if they may subconsciously be angry, I mean, we take a look at Kevin's, you know, having some therapy done, uh, talking to a therapist this episode, and there's a penguin there who they specifically mention is used for children to deal with rage issues. And see, that's where, and, and I think that's, uh, thank you for br- uh, bringing that up because this is the next stage of this uh, anger theory yeah, yeah. is that the title talks makes a direct reference to that that yes. the penguin is winning sure the thing that we're supposed to be venting our frustration is getting stronger and we progressively are getting weaker to withstand it and what's, and what's set the this difference up as guilty remnant versus everyone else right yeah and so you have to assume that everyone else is the angry party here and what's the difference between a Wayne hug healer yeah. And like a David Koresh who's going to be on a compound and just preach that the end of the world is coming. Maybe it already did, sure. and our job is to cleanse the earth of the rest of humanity. <laughs> what? Sure. Or what happens when Wayne's cult, which seems like it's a maybe more West Coast thing. Meets the GR. Comes in contact with the GR, which might be an East Coast thing. That you've got one that's like this <laughs> well, laid I, back. I think a lot of rappers get shot. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> A lot of tributes. Puff Daddy has come out. Certainly, of, P. Diddy yeah. has come out of retirement. Uh, a lot of a lot of holographic rappers too at the next <laughs> festival. It's it's really going to get good here pretty mm. soon. <laughs> uh, I'm all for that evolving. Me too. Into that direction, yeah. East Coast West Coast rap war. Sure. Uh, anyway, I, I just think that that's something interesting to watch. Like it where, is, yeah. and you even got these little really angry outbursts. Like arguably everything that Jill's doing is misdirected anger the the girl who lost yeah. all of her whole family pushing the coffee cup off we'll talk about that later but yeah yeah, yeah. i'm curious what that means but um so is the chief's feet on fire just a way to get us to the next scene where his neighbor set his y- yard on fire i felt like it was yeah um but happening during this dream where it seems to be either prophetic or just revealing about what kevin is feeling at the time I felt like it had to mean more than that. Yeah. Especially with him going to the fire, putting it out, and then stepping on these teeth. Does that... Oh, wow. You're going next level on the... What's... 
No, no, no. I'm I'm not quite there. I'm trying to connect some dots here. Okay. I'm I'm just wondering what significance the teeth have. You know, it's it's this guy's brother's stuff who was taken in the disappearing, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's burning it to get rid of all the stuff, potentially because he can't deal with the memories anymore, or right. it's just been long enough that he's over it and he wants the shit out of his house. Right. That's where I'm not quite sure because the fire wakes him up. He steps like it starts at his feet. He steps on these teeth. What does it mean? There's so many questions that I have. It's a way the departed continue to hurt us three years later. <laughs> Maybe man bites man. Uh, oh, does it connect to the dogs? The dogs. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't. I don't know. And that's one of the things that's because you know here's where Lindelof could be like, look, assholes. Mm. Guy was dreaming. He incorporated real life stimuli into a dream, like you do. Sure, to wake you up, and then it wakes you up. So, it's, but it's an inception. Uh, yeah, kick. What do they call it? Yeah, yeah, no kick. kick. Okay. Um, I don't know. I feel like we've mined all the interesting things out of that. <laughs> Let's move all on. Right. We had the scene in the therapist where we find that he's taking some kind of mandatory therapy because it turns out, mm-hmm. I guess the police responded to the shooting, and he's there, hip deep in a pile of dead dogs. And he says the guy in the truck took off. Guy in the truck took dog off, and shooter. he was just sitting there. Uh, so that tells us the dog packs are real. The deer yes. presumably is real because no one's dispute that the because when the therapist is like so the guy you know Mister Man shot the deer. He's like no 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 the, there was a deer, the deer there or we probably wouldn't be we'd call it a mystery deer. I'm guessing that's the deer he hit right with well, his car. That's something we forgot to talk about last episode. We didn't at the all. fact that his kitchen looked like it was completely destroyed by this deer. Yeah. Yet it's fine this episode? Or do we not uh, well, see it? Well, it's been it? several weeks between last episode and this one. It's true. So maybe he's got it fixed. You but know, he no probably mention. cleaned his kitchen. He probably. But I mean, it wasn't just like hoof prints and stuff. I'm talking no, there was like a wild animal. Cabinets. Yeah. Mm hmm. I feel like that was not real because no one acknowledges it and there's no evidence of repair or anything in this episode. Which is more yeah, grist for this guy's it, crazy mill. I, I find it a little unfair that they don't deal with that at all and they just jump ahead a few weeks and he has not even mentioned it. He has not thought about it again. Um, I'm sure he did in the intervening weeks, but it seems a little unfair for them to jump ahead here and just not deal with the deer. So, agreed. This is a strike. There's maybe strike one against the showrunners. <laughs> okay. Uh, there's a couple more strikes they're going to get in this episode. There this, are. this series is also super polarizing. Like, I've never yeah, seen yeah. anything like it in Reddit threads and even our Facebook threads. And in Sep- and, uh, Sepulwell's comments thread, where like 50% of people seem to just detest like angry. I think those people are angry at Damon Lindelof for Lost. Uh, I think a, some a large of them, portion of them. Okay, that could be. Yeah, and maybe that is because it's like there's some people say things I think are factually incorrect. Like mm-hmm. the acting's terrible, the dialogue is terribly written. Sure. I, I mean, I don't have a lot of anger <laughs> directed at Lost because I hit the jack button early. Yeah. And I never would say that Lost was terribly acted or poorly written. Uh. No, no, it's not. Not from the first season. (laughs) Not from the first season I saw. And I certainly, in these first two episodes, I think it's, uh, I I think all the performance, even like Liv Tyler, I was surprised. So many people slag at her performance. I thought she did super good work in this one. Yeah, I thought she was fine. No problems. Anyway, speaking of. Let's talk about some of the other stuff. Liv Tyler, her fiance shows up in the office. 
what did you think of that confrontation? Uh, can, can we leave that for now? I still want to be on Crazy Kevin. Because okay. there's so much to talk about. I don't think we necessarily have to go linearly here. Okay, go um, for it. I kind of want to present the case as a whole for Kevin being crazy or not. So let's switch to the truck mysteriously shows up in his driveway. Okay. Uh, there's a dead dog in his truck bed. Yeah. His officers start saying, hey, you know, we'll find, say we found an abandoned a couple blocks from here. And he's like, why? Uh, yeah. Says, this isn't my truck. you're freaking crazy. <laughs> Is it reasonable to just believe, like... Weeks after a single event to believe that your chief is crazy. Now, I know that his old man has got this history. Sure. There, there is a little history built in. Uh, actually, I won't even qualify that to say there's a little bit of history. I will say there is history, and we don't know how much. There could be a lot of history that we just haven't seen. Like, For example. What happened when the chief of police went crazy, and it happens to be his dad? And why is the mayor open-mouthed kissing him to say sure. goodbye and, like, seems kind of intimate with him? Oh, what yeah, is up definitely with that? more than kind of intimate, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe that's something that's people just do on the roll. East Coast. I don't, I don't think so. And Chicago, uh, we touch wieners. That, well, okay, fair enough. Uh, but I – so, okay, what – so we got this truck. To me, this yeah. is maybe strike two against Lindelof because it seems the game plan here would be to do forensics on this truck. What Certainly. fingerprints turns up. Yeah, and it, and it seems like, okay, so now one piece of this puzzle is certainly really real. That truck. Where did that truck come from? Did he? I mean, someone bought it. Someone bought it. Someone or put stole it there. It. I mean, there, there, but there's no hint that that is even a lead to be followed up on. Yes, that's true. That that seems very strange. It doesn't considering say, how much Kevin wants this to be followed up on. <laughs> well, I, I'll just say this: it would not be still sitting in his fucking driveway if they were taking it off to a lab to do forensics on. Sure. So, to me, that's strike too. That this there is a way to get to the bottom of this mystery, and it just feels like that they haven't thought of it, or that wasn't didn't come up in writers' room. Well, you know. If, yeah. well, if if the chief fingerprints are all up in this and nobody else's are, that's pretty damning. Or sure. if there's some unknown dude's fingerprints and there's none in the chief, that tells us something. Yeah, they're playing fast and loose with what rational people would do in order to sell this mystery. Right. Certainly. And that, that does feel unfair. Um, and, and, it, and I think this is not the first or last instance of that either. No, no. We're about to get to another one. Yeah. Uh, the dog shooter then shows up at the chief's house. <laughs> Uh-huh. He has an interaction with his daughter and friend. His daughter Kevin's daughter speaks to this man. Takes a six-pack from his hand. Uh-huh. Uh then goes home. We then uh he says, "Hey, I found a new pack around at school. I need you to come along cuz I'm getting lonely. Uh meet me sundown tomorrow. We're doing the Lord's work. Don't want the truck back." Then his daughter comes around the corner from where we saw her go a couple minutes before and said, "Who was that?" And he's like, "Nobody." Yeah. Is this a Tyler Durden situation? Mm. See, the interesting thing about Tyler Durden, and, and or you, s- you mentioned Sixth Sense Six before Sense one. this podcast, is that if you go back, and, and Sixth Sense takes you back, mm-hmm. and it shows you, mm-hmm. no one ever interacts with these people beyond the point where they're supposed to not be interacted with. Right. And not be real. They never break that. Ever. No one touches them. No one looks right at them. They use your... Uh, preset preconceptions of how yes. humans interact mm-hmm. to fool you, but they play it straight. They There's play no it 100 percent straight, and they can take you back and they can show you we didn't cheat. If this guy's not real, 
they've cheated. Like it turns yeah. out that actually he was standing there like in a fugue state with a six pack of beer and a daughter took it from his hands with the door open. They, yeah, yeah. they already cheated. They did. They cheated. I, I wonder if there's room in a show to cheat. I mean, like if you think I haven't seen Twin Peaks, but I know they did a lot of this kind of dream state stuff where they showed things that are happening in the actor's head, in the character's head. But they have some but not actually right. happening. And they inform to some extent of what's actually going on. Yeah. Do you so I feel like this guy's crazy to the point where he's in, he's imagining his daughter and his his daughter's friend walking in and taking things from imaginary people. To me, it feels like a cheat. It, it does, yeah. I, I'm not going to argue that it. I wouldn't feel a little ripped off if, especially this if this totally thing goes on fake. the whole season. To me, oh, it's starting God. to look like he's actually. I think it's much more interesting at this point that this guy's real. Sure, and that he's dealing with, am I going crazy? Am I my dad? Am, is this rubbing off on me, and am I having the same problem? I, I think if we want to talk about kind of, do you have anything between this and the bagel? Uh, I was going to go, I was going to go, I wasn't going to mention the bagel, because the bagel is, after, uh, is an aftermath to, uh, on his way to talk to his father, and then we're going to talk about that all kind of in a unit. Does that okay, make sense? Okay, let's do that then. So... Uh, first of all, if he shows up at his dad's house, uh, which appears to be some sort of mental Maximum institution. Maximum security mental institution. Like, he can't take anything in with him. But it, inside, it's set up just like yeah. a really cozy rest home. Yeah. Which I guess that's, I, I guess that, that's I buy how it that. goes. Yeah, okay. I've never sense. been to a mental institution, so I don't You don't want so them to be know. able to do, have access to anything that hurts them, I guess. This but... show might send me to one, though. Who knows? <laughs> Um, but he talks, uh, first of all, we have the, the kiss between his dad and the mayor, Sly uh-huh. Dog. Yep. Uh, then they have, uh, they, the Perfect Strangers playing in the background. The, the classic cast of Perfect Strangers, gone. Gone. National Treasures, uh-huh. all. Uh, they're showing the Bibby Bobka episode, which if you uh-huh. are a fan of Perfect Strangers at all, you already know, you're probably singing the song in your head. Uh-huh. Um, but they mention about, he's like, you know, dad, when did you start knowing that you're losing a shit? Stad denies that he's actually lost it, mm-hmm. and but then clearly demonstrates that he has a connection with a person that's not in that room. Yeah. And here's the thing other that's kind of a strike, mm-hmm. where if this guy turns out to be purely just make-believe, they're tying the two delusions together because they his are. father is referencing this person being sent to help him. And that could just oh, be a yes. crazy guy talking, but if it's two crazy guys talking about delusional stuff, it's like, <laughs> why am I watching the show? <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just watching two people fart. Sure, it it it, it feels unfair there as well, um, and also the fact that they're going to show us one hallucination, but they're not going to show us the other hallucination, and that probably has to do with the perspective thing. I mean, yes. yeah, we're coming from the perspective of Kevin, so we should see his. It still feels like that's not fair. Then here is the big thing. The bagels were there, and the they were, were real. The real, he, and within the language of television, they are telling us Kevin thinks he's crazy. He's going to verify that he's not crazy. He, in fact, verifies that information. This is the totems from Inception. Absolutely. And yes. that's one thing we argue, because we had a whole podcast on this, <laughs> because like a lot of fan theories are popular, relied on... Uh, Christopher Nolan lying to you about the way those things work. Well, mm-hmm. if they if they break their own rules and lie to you in a final, you know, there's not what I mean. You can make up anything you want. Yeah. You literally can. You can make up any interpretation you want. And they're all equally valid. Sure. 
I personally hate that approach. So if they're showing me that these bagels are stand-in to his mental state, that these are his totems, that the bagels are real, man, that makes me feel even stronger. This guy has to be real. Here's the thing, the difference between Inception and the bagels. Uh, Inception leaves that question open because they don't ever show the top Ah, come to a stop. They show it wobble. I, I agree with that. But I think Christopher Nolan specifically meant for that question to be open because of that final shot. I think he, he meant for it to be asked, but he also I think he also equipped the audience with everything they need to know I think to, you're right, certainly. to figure that story out. Uh, and maybe we just haven't had enough of The Leftovers to know yet, but that question seems to be definitively answered. The bagels are there. He is right. crazy. Yeah, there is. Yeah. And from what little we know of the chief... You know, it's, it's, it's also, potentially we're going to come back next episode and Kevin's going to know he's not crazy because of the bagels. I mean, we don't see any kind of real a- aftermath. We don't see any aftermath at all to that. So, yes, but this is what we do in the podcast. We speculate sure, sure. here and now. Absolutely, and I think it's fun and I, I was just going to say that I also think just from timeline, I don't know when the chief would have been able to get that truck there. Sure. With no, you know, because that seemed like to be kind of like the morning yeah, yeah, he was in talking to and Liv your Tyler's. neighbors would see everybody, and yeah, yeah, I mean, where what what opportunity would that have to to show up? So I don't again, know. all signs I'm saying point to this guy being a real du- dude, yeah, and that he is not in fact losing his mind. Although but, they're, t- but they're he, trying the really hard you. to to juke you in that direction, I actually think this is Lindelof trying to be honest. He is giving us I all the so information too. we need to know to know that he's not crazy. Exactly what I'm saying about the aftermath of it, right? Yes. Like if Kevin now plays this straight as, well, I know I'm not crazy now because I found these bagels. Okay, fine. I'm on board. Uh, and maybe that was a one episode arc where he is crazy. But I, I think it's interesting to throw it out there. Um, and he might even be doing it a little bit to provoke the audience. Sure. Maybe that's what he wants to do. There's some interesting uh, reader takes on that as well. Okay. Uh, I do want to talk about this little scene with Meg's fiance in the office, and that I think that he does have the angry reaction that I'm looking for people where he's like, oh, Mm. she needs help? You know, fuck her. I've been helping her for three years, and this is how she repays. Maybe, maybe I should get on living my life. Yeah. Um, I like, and he's like, you know, what the fuck are you talking about, man? Because he's basically talking. I, I feel like he's speaking Kevin's darker impulses regarding his wife and family, mm-hmm. um, and it really stuns him. Also, I don't know to what extent there's symbolism being used in the show, but I noticed that he's wearing the U.S. flag on his uniform the wrong mm-hmm. way. At least why I understand the way that uniforms are supposed to wear is that the flag, the stars, and the blue always are uh, to the front of the uniform because the mm-hmm. United States flag always advances and never retreats. If it's on backwards, it looks like it's retreating. Okay. But is that a uh, a way that they're showing something that's off kilter with this character? Or is that just a... I don't know. Or is that just a um, con- continuity or a production error? I feel like someone in making these uniforms could have not known that because I didn't know that. Well, surely they've had some people go go through for authenticity. Yeah. You would think they would have consultants or, or at least check into that. And maybe there are particular branches where that is not observed. I I do not know. Um, but yeah. I just thought that's something I noticed, and I, I wonder if anybody else did 
too, or want to speculate on that. One of the things I've noticed in this series is they like to pull the typical TV trope of people asking very pointed and pertinent questions and not getting answers and being okay with that. Sure. I hate that. I hate when, uh, what's her name, Lucy, the mayor, comes yep. in. Kevin says, they're not our dogs, not anymore. She says, what does that mean? And he goes, ooh, he just zones off into space. And she right. accepts that. Yeah. No, no, what are you talking about? Yeah. I already think you're crazy. What do you mean by that? Yeah. No, I, I that would drive me crazy And especially well. when there's something on the line. When there are stakes involved, and you ask a question, don't get an answer, and you just accept it. Yeah. Especially from someone that is your subordinate and is the chief of police and is mm-hmm. an important position. You're like, yeah, it's like, okay, yeah. you're crazy. I'm sending you to therapy, and you say something potentially crazy. The, that was one slight evidence that the guy's not real because he literally aped it as if it was his own thought. Sure, and He sure. said, these aren't our dogs anymore. Yeah. You know, again, I think that's that's camouflage, but I thought that was, you know, as I was weighing the evidence and counter evidence, that was a pretty powerful uh, piece of evidence there. Yeah. Do we have anything else we want to talk about, Kevin, before we get into the guilty remnant arc? Or we could go through uh, Wayne. I I want to talk. And so we've talked about, you know, the his dad saying they're sending someone to to guide you or whatever mm-hmm. to, to help you. I also like the way he portrayed that. And I forget this guy's name. He's a fairly famous character actor. But... Mm-hmm. Something kind of angelic in the way they're talking about this help and all that, but he's got sure. this super foul, like almost perturbed that these people are bothering him. Sure. Uh, th- there's a couple of ways I, I could see that going. A is that, you know, it's it's some supernatural force that caused this disappearance, um, and it, it is thinking, and it is an entity unto itself, and it is sending something actually to guide him for some purpose, and that's the dog shooter. That that could be, I suppose. So it's it's entirely possible that the dog catcher is both real and also supernatural. Yes, I suppose that's a third option. You can't rule out non-supernatural events in a series where it opens with a supernatural sure. event. Okay, I, I buy that. Okay, it's, so I'm just saying that, like, I don't think we need to... to, to completely put away the wizards and and, and magic toolkit <laughs> no <laughs> when discussing no, the show so. it's like i don't think it's the first thing you should go to yeah but you can't rule out the fact that this guy's got some kind of mystic thing to him sure there's that option there's also another option i was thinking about um the, the only piece that doesn't fit here is i don't know why his dad would know this or tell him that but could the dog shooter actually be sent by the guilty remnant that's the thing if it's not his wife Patty. If, if it's not supernatural, then it's just some crazy guy talking, and it's just coincidentally. Sure. So then I got to That's the game I got to play. It's like, okay, do I buy this? That this crazy guy's raving turns out to be true. And the thing is, we don't know his involvement with the guilty remnant nope. before he no. went crazy. We don't know if that's dr- what drove him crazy. We don't know what drove him crazy. Period. We don't even sure. know if his craziness was a direct result of the happening. Yeah. Was he crazy before it <laughs> or the departure? Yeah. He could have been. This could have happened four years ago. Yeah. So. A lot of unanswered questions there, and therein lies the mystery that, you know, is in this show. <laughs> All right, so we want to go Jill, Guilty Remnant, or Wayne? Uh, let's do... Uh, let's do Jill. Let's stick with the Garveys. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, arguably, the, pretty they're easy. all the Garveys plotline. Yeah, that's yeah, true. ass. <laughs> uh, so Jill... Uh, they She's walking down the street, looks like on the way to school, maybe, uh-huh. uh, with her friend Amy... 
who apparently is living with them now. I yeah. I thought she was Did just her visiting, but I, no I, I don't know. But it appears like they're she just at the house all the time. Cool, yeah. that's whatever. Uh, they're costed by Doctor Who again, and he says that they're not who they thought we were. Mm-hmm. It gets interesting when they go in the cafe and we see the woman that lost her whole family, uh, Miss Durst. I can't don't know what her her first name is. I don't know either. But she's sitting there enjoying uh, coffee, and uh, Jill notices she's packing heat. Yeah. And they have this discussion about, which I thought, uh, there's a lot of dark humor in this show I'm becoming aware of. And I enjoyed the interaction between Amy and Jill. Uh-huh. The, like, you know, every day she goes to bed, <laughs> just she's like, just one day. more day at the gut in her mouth. And, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but as they're speculating about this, and also the whole plot where, like, well, maybe she just killed her family and said they disappeared. Like, mm-hmm. what? That had to that. There's not. That's a not non-zero occurrence. Absolutely. That the I, I, day that happens, yep. you're already it's on the edge. It's an opportunity for for some lunacy. Opportunity for some for some crazy stuff to go down. Yes. Uh, but as they're speculating on this, they observe her shove her coffee thing off the thing, a break, and then the guy's very apologetic once he finds out who it is. What the fuck? My only thought here is that she heard them talking. Oh, really? Because I don't know why else you push your coffee cup off the edge of the table. Is she looking for attention? Yes. Um, is she just very lonely? Yes. Or does she hear them talking? She's got a lot of frustration and anger and uh, helplessness feelings, that, especially when we know she's sure. kind of psyching herself up to do what she's about to do. She's an interesting yeah, yeah. character, man. Oh, definitely. Um, the The reason I question whether or not she heard these kids talking about her is because it would set up something it would set up an interesting relationship between them if she heard them talking about her and then later on she sees them driving away in the car that was just no, following I, her to that house i totally see miss durst and jill having a one on one later on in the season i yeah, think yeah. that would be interesting definitely uh, but they decide uh, to stalk her all day. I also thought it was interesting that she walked up to the f- the guy, the religious, the Doctor Who, uh-huh. um, Father Who, is what I'm going to call him from here on out. <laughs> okay. Uh, and they're like, oh, this is going to be good because she's just going to wallop him or something. They ended up hugging and kissing and like having this heart to heart. This this girl's mm. cool, is, is good in every hood. Yeah. And that in itself is an interesting thing as you think those people would be diametrically opposed. Um, yeah, yeah. Turns out she's some sort of insurance adjuster or government So it feels to me like there's a bigger picture here. Okay. Uh, and within these three years since the happening and now, the government has set up some sort of fund, like a social some security fund, thing sure. for people who have – families of people who have been disappeared. A departure benefits, what they call it. Exactly. It makes perfect sense. Uh, makes a ton of sense. And, you know, the, one of the things is they've got to keep people honest. You can't just say, oh, my dog disappeared and I need benefits. I also so think they send these people around. It's not just the keeping honest. I also think this is part of the figuring things out process. That's what I was thinking. They're using the questions that they ask. They're compiling to all this data. Commonalities between these people. Throwing it through some kind of big da- data engine and sure. trying to find some commonality. And that's between perfect. This. That's exactly what you should do. Exactly. It, 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 indeed. And a little bit of the dark humor comes in that she's interviewing. These two elderly couple about the disappearance of a 34-year-old uh, man. Yeah. And she's asking these questions, you know, does he ever travel to Brazil? Does he love cooking? Does he speak more than one language? And their family is being weirdly pissy about it. Mm-hmm. And then you find out that he's got Down syndrome. So these yeah. questions are super absurd going forward. And she explains And then that. she asks the most absurd one, 
immediately afterwards. And that's where because the black humor, to. because as soon as yeah. she gives a speech about, I have to do this, she looks down at the next question, and she kind of like closes her eyes. Uh-huh. Like, oh, Christ. Uh, I had, to your knowledge, has he had more than 20 sexual partners? Yeah, and then they just cut. I, I love it. I love no, it. No, no. That's good stuff. That is a grim, grim, humorous situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we go back to Amy need, feeding for hand cream in the car. They decide to go. They, this is what teenagers do. They decide to go steal it from the sure. the potentially crazy one with the gun. Everything being written for these teenagers strikes me as totally real. No, no, I, I've I've done this kind of light, petty larceny slash property destruction slash whatever as a teenager. Most people that sure. have interesting lives probably have. Yeah, yeah. Thank God no one's arms got blown off or no one got arrested. Right? Yeah, you I mean, know that's what you do. Uh, so they're doing that, and it seems all pretty harmless, but it's also poignant because this poor woman's got the family stickers still on her Volvo. Yeah, yeah. She's got the kids' music in her front seat, the uh-huh. CD. She's got the jelly beans, and it's just somehow – Stale jelly beans. I like how they mention that. And, and then it's like, you know, for the slow, the slower people and slash Amy's amongst us, Jill says, you know, it's probably for her kids. Yeah. And that was a bummer. That was uh, a de- very depressing moment for me. Sure. And as she's so, uh, Jill starts decides to up the ante, up the stakes. She starts honking, Genius. which was hilarious. Perfect. She should have done that. Perfect. And then when they come out, her and Mrs. Durst share a moment. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's a moment of recognition. I remember you from the coffee shop. Oh, really? I thought that's what I thought. Yeah. I thought it was maybe looking past their obvious differences to find some commonality uh, and just experience. That is a lot. To go into a thought as you see someone driving away after horn honking and... Yeah, that's a soul gaze. <laughs> that's a soul gaze. Um, sure. I'm not going to lie. But that's how I, that's that's kind of where I got from that. Do Is there anything else going on, Jill? No, nothing interesting. Uh, for a teenager plot, not bad. Sure. Teenage plots traditionally go off the rails and are terrible. This mm-hmm. is doing a pretty good job holding my entrance. Uh, Guilty Remnant or Wayne's World? Uh, Wayne's World, I feel, is going to be smaller. Let's do it. Okay. Uh, so we open up the episode with some government agency planning a Branch Davidian-type raid on Wayne's compound. Yeah, chewing it, eating an apple so you know he's a bad guy right off the bat. Yep. Right? Yep. He gives... Uh, well, at least it wasn't an orange. Uh, yeah, there's that. Uh, he... He his, gives the best line of the episode. Magic his, fucking hugs. Magic fucking <laughs> hugs. This guy's giving magic hugs to high-ranking government officials and... Mm-hmm. Whoever else seeks his help charges battery teenage Asian girls. Yeah, yeah, they had some case. I guess the government was working some statutory rape cases on him, and he took off to this unknown compound, which is where we find him. And of course, uh, instead of just arresting him or playing it cool or whatever, it's a full on, uh, full on invasion. People die. A lot of the women die. Yeah, and it's Wayne. Brutal. Wayne later on. I don't know how much we're to believe Wayne in anything he says, but Wayne later on says. Or maybe it's Tom who says this, that they came in shooting. Before they even got to the ranch, they were shooting. I would believe that just so from what I saw. That it, was It was not a, like a let's break this up raid. It was a let's kill these people. No, this wasn't, this wasn't we're the cops, everybody put your hands in your head and we're here. Yeah, to, yeah. It was a um, almost a military strike. Yeah. Um the underwater screamer guy, Tom, uh, Tom Garvey, ends up saving the girl he's supposed to. Um, With huge potential consequences, right? He shoots a federal agent. 
in the neck. Now, with I don't really think... shaky hands. This is clearly not something that he does on a daily basis or probably no. even trains for. No, no, and certainly didn't want to do, but he had to do it to protect her. Now, she's the only one who knows that he did that. Right. Well, um, I, I guess Wayne also knows because he says something later. Plus, they have a pretty magical hug, I'm pretty sure. Uh, any, yeah. any information need to be exchanged, not exchanged. <laughs> so, potentially, there are massive consequences coming back on Tom. Certainly. He's that. a a fugitive from the law at this point. Uh, yeah. He tried reaching out to his father and that possibility seems like no longer because the phone got destroyed. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to got a burner, a very smiley burner. And nobody remembers phone numbers anymore. I don't. I, I was don't. just thinking no. that like if I lost my phone today, I would have to go to a computer that has the internet so yeah. I could retrieve my list off of Google. Uh huh. For sure. <laughs> then I could call someone and tell them, you know, whatever. Yeah. That's pretty fucked up, but that's the way it is. I don't, I don't know what else I'm supposed to do. Remember phone numbers? Yeah, I'm okay with it. <laughs> Clearly not. Um, so they go to this gas station, which is supposed to be, I guess, a, a rally point. Mm-hmm. Turns out the head dude we saw last episode um, that was kind of head of security at the ranch is already there, but he's dead somehow. Yeah, yeah. Like, who killed him? I don't know. That's a really good question. Did the is uh, this federal whole... government get there first? That's Did what I'm sh- wondering. Is this whole area part of their compound, Might this be. gas station included, and they went in and they just blew them up? Right. So they got lucky not being yeah, yeah. being detected that way. Um, but as they were kind of freaking out about it, Wayne pulls up. He's in the trunk of a car. He's traveling incognito, and yep. the Asian girl gives him the full body uh, magic hug. Mm-hmm. Uh, she should have no despair or sorrow in her body at all. Christine is her name, by the way. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Uh, what... I, I don't know if we've actually heard that, but that's what's on IMDb. Okay. So. What do you think about Wayne kissing his dead underling? Super creepy. Yeah. Like, does he think he can bring him back? Especially since he would have never let me do that when he was alive. It's like, so you're yeah. a necro rapist? You're, you're just perving on him now. <laughs> yeah. That's all you're doing. <laughs> uh, but then he immediately says, hey, you're a good boy. Uh, let me take this poison out from you. And he's like, just, just come on, bring it in. Yep. Bring it yep. in. It's, it's I, I like another dark humor moment, right? He's also taking his shirt at the same time. Yeah, I you know, like it's got to be the, the, that his magic can only work through it at best one layer of clothes. Yeah, but then he literally takes his shirt <laughs> and he puts it on. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, oh, you, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, yeah, because he had no shirt when he I got thought he took team. it. I thought he took it just to re- reduce the barriers between him, and <laughs> no. it turns out he puts it on. He's also taking, literally taking his shirt, yes. Uh, Tom, Tom stonewalls him, does not want the hug. Yeah. What does that mean? I feel like Tom is maybe a little guilty himself and slightly self-loathing and wants that pain. Wants to well, maybe it's not self-loathing. Maybe he just wants to feel like he did something wrong there because he thinks he should feel bad. Seems like a prime recruit for the guilty remnant because he's sure as hell guilty and doesn't want to give it up does. that guilt. Yeah, he doesn't want to give up the guilt. Um and I think that's all it's about. Like, he recognizes I killed a man. Uh, that was something wrong that I should not have done, and I need to deal with that. Hmm. But I, there's not a lot of evidence to go on there. But this girl is apparently very important to his plans and schemes. He, she can't be yeah. with him because it's too dangerous. It's up to Tom to protect her. I really hope we Which don't seems see like... Wayne in season early season two going through a jungle screaming, Christine, <laughs> Christine, because again, I'm out. Uh, you can, she cannot be both the savior of the race and then not make it out of season two. 
Uh, yeah, it's interesting. So I think that tells us that she's actually more important than he is in the long run. That's what he feels. With the way he's trying to protect her and keep her away from him. But if she's just some ever-ready Duracell slam piece... Yeah, it doesn't feel like that That's the other thing is, we don't... In fact, I think we both suspect that their relationship, his relationship with these women, is not sexual at all. I kind of feel that way, yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if it was, Mm because, you know, cult leader. But on the other hand, we... The only thing we've ever got is the government... The same government that sent in oh. guns blazing the, and, and ended up killing most of these women was trying to was trying to pin a statutory charge on him, which doesn't yeah, even yeah, mean yeah. a rape. That's that's kind of like I don't know what you would call that. It's dubious at best, um, and we've never common seen, law rape is what you'd call it. I, I I don't know. We've never seen any evidence that he's actually statutory raping these girls. No, they're living with him. Sure, sure. That's they're going not around in bikinis in and, and eating jelly or eating gummy worms, but. That's all we know. So let me let me go. Okay, in traditional Lost, Lindelof, Jay and Jack, uh, in Jay and Jack way, I'm going to go with a crackpot theory here. Good, do it, love it. I think I'm going way out on a limb on this one. Um, I think that maybe she has some ability to take the pain and the guilt and the fear that he takes from people. From him? From him and discharge that somehow. In a non-destructive way? Sure. Well, this is kind of... You mentioned this when we were watching the episode. He's like, this is like really Green Mile territory. Yeah, yeah. You have this mystical black man that is taking on people's pain and problems and then dealing with it himself. It's also... I've mentioned the 4400 before, and the main character has the ability to heal people, but it costs to himself. Uh-huh. Uh, he, he feels extreme pain, but he heals really fast. Right, right. So that's a that's pretty common trope anyway. Totally, yeah. But but it's similar. All right. Uh he so he's got the girl, his battery's dead in the truck. He goes ape shit, but she says it's okay cuz Wayne said it was going to be um I, I got to say I'm the least interested in this storyline. I don't know whether it's because it's okay. so far disconnected from the others. It is whether yeah. I, I have a little bit of problem with this Tom guy. He's either this bland doughboy, or he's having this extreme emotional reaction. He's either screaming underwater, or he's screaming at a steering wheel. But he's either flat effect or screaming. I and I, I don't. I don't know. I All this right, isn't so, connecting with me in any way. This okay. is the one place of the show I've got to say that I'm just not interested in at all. Okay, I'll talk about mine here in a bit when we when we get to it. Um, over under. How many episodes in before Tom doesn't scream during one? <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm, I'm gonna go aggressive and say next week he's not going to scream. And you're under that. You're you're under the third episode, huh? I'm I'm gonna or say he's on. Yeah, I'm gonna say it's episode. yeah. Uh, I'm calling episode three is his first non-scream. All right, I'm gonna give him one more scream. I'll okay. go with four. All right. <laughs> Uh, do we? I think we Let's go to the guilty his remnant. Guilty yeah. remnant. Uh, I'm getting this is the least interesting part for you. No, it's, no, because oh, I think become, it's the most interesting part. It's become for way me. more fascinating. I, I instinctively don't like them because I think that their answer is a non-answer uh, and is a checking out. And I, I call bullshit on the idea that you, <laughs> that that not doing anything or or intentionally doing something to harm yourself is a solution to anything. In a rational Reflexively, world, I, I rebel against that idea. In a rational world, I think you're right. In an irrational world, I don't know that any answer is 
Sure, and I've come around a little bit more to that, and that's why they become more interesting to me. Because I feel like, and I've talked about this in some other podcasts, True Detective wrap-up, I think. I feel like I'm pretty close to being a nihilist myself. <laughs> okay. I just live my life in the constant denial of that philosophy. Like, I All really right. do think the universe is unthinking, unfeeling, not give a shit, and everything we do doesn't matter to anything, doesn't matter to a hill of beans. It's yeah, all yeah. vanity and bullshit. You've been watching too much True Detective. <laughs> but I try to live my life as if I don't believe that. So I'm, a, I'm a cheerful nihilist. Um, I feel like it's, it's liberating you know, in a different way. It, it gives me the freedom to just, you know take chances and, and do whatever because it ultimately doesn't matter you know yeah nihilism is not a philosophy that drives any action and i guess that's what i'm against like regardless of I how i agree with that insurmountable the odds uh -huh. of something or how futile something is i think there's value in fighting against that when yeah. when it's when there is a a larger ideal on the line so you can find out you have cancer tomorrow. Sure. I'm not going to kill myself. It's inoperable. You've got six weeks, uh, or you can do this experimental thing that might give you six months. But it's but it'll kill me instantly? No, but it's, it doesn't it's, work. It's, it's, it's painful and it's difficult. And which do you – do you just take the six-week quitting route, or do you fight for the next six months? Uh, well, I, I feel like that's not a fair comparison because those six weeks are going to be... It's a Rorschach test, man. <laughs> those six weeks are going to be, by comparison, much more valuable to me because mm. I will be able to enjoy them far more than having some experimental drugs and feeling like shit the entire time. Certainly. So it's not, it's not quite an equal thing there. Yeah, no, I mean, that's something I thought because I had a, a close friend with a relative that went through that exact situation and I was like, kind of like, God damn, what would you do? Yeah, versus you know? being perfectly fine for the rest of your life. Well, that's the or other smoking thing. Yourself if it death. was like, okay, well, you can go through horrific pain for six months to maybe live two years longer, versus take six weeks, get your affairs in order, say goodbye yeah. to everybody, go. Or if it's it. go through intense pain with a ten percent chance that you'll be fine for another fifteen years, mm -hmm. I feel like I fight for that ten percent. But if it's sure. just six months or a year, I don't know. I mean, that's everybody's different on that, but. Yeah, no, I, I think there's a threshold there where it makes sense. Okay. Um, I forget what we're we talking uh, let's about. Let's talk man. about the, the smoking. How much did we talk about that in the first episode? Not much. Um, you were really angry about know. everything about the cult. Yeah, yeah, I was super angry I feel like about I should it. track your anger at the cult level. It's come uh, down quite a bit. On a scale of, of religious hate crime between mm. throwing a red slushy and hunting them with a bolt-action <laughs> rifle. Where are you at with the cult this, this week? Uh, I will throw a red slushy at Princess Leia. The reddest of slushies at Fat Princess Leia. Yeah, I definitely will. It By the way, <laughs> she was dressed up as Hoth Leia. That exactly. was a 100% homage from... You said that Lindelof does that? He's Lindelof's a, Star Wars fan? a huge Star Wars fan, yeah. Hmm. I was wondering if that was a J.J. Abrams thing, and he's not involved with this. So. No, no. Huh. But no, he's that's definitely a dead-on impersonation of... Yeah, a vest, vest, belt, and all. Everything. Like, <laughs> Every, she should have had. She could have had buns in her hair for all I know. So the thing I don't get about the smoking is they say that they do it as a display of their faith, right? Uh, or at least that's what the sign up on the wall in their mansion said. Sure. Uh, <laughs> it's comparatively a mansion. Um, I find it really hard to reconcile those two ideas, killing yourself slowly and having faith. Faith in what? I don't know. We know the answer to that. Uh, I have a lot of theories. Certainly. I feel like that 
this is a proclamation of faith in an irrational world that nothing we do to live longer or live shorter or whatever. I mean, short of just putting a gun in your mouth and killing yourself today, there's nothing we can do in a world where 2% of the population can just disappear. But nothing, so the idea of nothing is not something you can have faith in. No, but faith I think... requires something or some ideal... Uh, no, this is more Zen and Buddhist. Like, yeah, faith is the wrong word in my opinion. Like eating, eat, worrying about trans fats and cancer and sure, making sure your body's perfectly healthy and living as long as you can in a world where you can just disappear at any time yeah, with yeah. no explanation. Mm-hmm. I feel like the smoking is a sign of faith that we trust in God's plan because we're not going to try to do anything to prolong our lives. In fact, we're going to actively do things against that. And I we're guess, going to yeah. live our life as a spectacle and as a remembrance and as a living monument to this event. It's and certainly a demonstration, but a demonstration of faith. We don't know enough about the guilty remnant yet, I think, to say what that faith is in. Well, and obviously they're dealing – they're transmuting some sort of emotional pain mm-hmm. and emotional wounds into physical pain and wounds, like a physical deprivation. Blisters S- from – Hitting an axe on a tree when you giving have no things, idea giving you're your identity up, giving your yeah. your your own voice up, um, do, deliberately taking a very cumbersome, shitty way to, to communicate. I think these are ways that they are. It's, it's a way to numb, hmm. numb yourself. That's my theory. Is what they're trying to do here. Is this they're, they're they're transmuting a type of pain that they find hard to deal with into another type of pain that they can deal with. Yeah, it's so weird though because it's emotional alchemy. And I think Meg gives it away at the end when she just breaks down and says, I just can't feel like this anymore. And it's it's a, it's a the other side of the same coin that Wayne's uh-huh. hawking. He's just saying, I'm just going to take it away. It's going to go. Yeah, They're yeah, saying, yeah. you can't deal with it, so do this, and this will make you – this allows you to deal with it. Interesting. Okay, I like that. I, I like that setting that up as a juxtaposition of two ideals. Uh, the wild card in here is Kevin's wife being part of the GR. Oh, I got awesome feedback theory on that. I do not understand that given her situation. She apparently didn't lose any of her family. Apparently. In in the disappearing. Unless there's like a very young child that we don't know about and has not been talked about yet. Not in the pictures. Certainly not in the pictures. Um, So the idea that these are people who feel extraordinarily bad after this event to the point where they would do bad things to themselves... It doesn't jive with her situation to me. So I feel like there's information Survivor's guilt that is we're a real missing. thing. And you're certainly right about I, that. Yeah, yeah. I think something will be revealed to explain it completely. Um, but, you know, that's putting some faith in Damon Lindelof to sure. reveal mysteries. We do get some answers about the, how the cult works. I like the whole – what we see in the Pledge House, mm-hmm. that they're – it looks like it's a process. Like you can stay as long as you want, but it's going to cost you something every day. Every day, you get your sponsor to being is going to show up and demand something from you. Yeah. Um. And and then presumably, I don't know what happens when you get when everything is taken from you. I guess you got to start wearing white clothes. And then yeah. when do you? I mean, could you theoretically stay there for years and years and keep talking as long as you just lived off of the? It, it does seem like, though, that they're a little aggressive about, like, shit or get off the pot because... They are. I mean, it, it is, if you had any question as to whether this was a cult or not, their behaviors are exactly cult-like. 
Uh, yeah. they, there are control mechanisms in place to keep you in the cult. Sure. Like, she's she's going to leave. Stop right. her. Like, that shit is cult shit. <laughs> oh, and it's like the one that we grew up in. There was definitely, like, you know... Pressure to stay to, within it. Courage, you know, you knock on doors of the witnesses. Why do witnesses knock on the doors to give you magazines? Why do they give magazines so they can give you books? Why do they give you books so they can study <laughs> these Bible literature with you and so that you can you eventually progress to getting baptized? At which point you will slowly wean yourself off of all other contacts, and then yes. they got you. They got you lock, stock, and barrel. Yeah. If you are not moving fast enough, you will be counseled by the higher-ups, the elders. And if the elders are too big of pussies, the super elder that travels around and kind of yeah. keeps the discipline for the congregations will come and say, like, look, these guys got a cutterfish bait. They've been studying for two years. Yeah, they're not going to meetings. They're not getting. They're not expressing. When are they going to put the white robes? You're, you're, on? you're, you know, brother, sister. You're wasting your time. You're throwing your pearls before swine. Move yeah, on yeah. to the next. You know, fuck their personal progress. You know, uh-huh. if they're not willing to just chuck it all after two years. You need to move on. Totally, totally felt true to life to that experience. Sure, and and especially as someone who grew up in that, it's not a case of ever being pulled into it. It's a case of trying to be kept inside it. Yes. And I feel like that's a big portion of what they're doing as well. Right. I, I feel like th- this idea of taking things away until you just really have no choice but to be one of them. Every day is, you're there makes it harder to leave. Yes. That is part of what defines a cult. And to me that, you know, this is a cult. Sure. Without doubt. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like a cult with a capital C in my mind. Sure. Um, so they give um, – they also have that weird, like, big screen TV that's just flashing their propaganda in the Pledge House. Sure. They're big on the propaganda. Yeah, they are. Posters and all sorts of stuff. They give her a ridiculously enormous tree to chop down with an axe. <laughs> I don't uh, know that I could do that. I know. Dude, it would take a very long time to do that. Paul Bunyan would probably get a chainsaw. <laughs> I mean, there's there's our axes that you can use to cut down a tree like that, but they're not yeah. that axe. Sure. And they're not uh, that woman swinging that axe that way. No, her technique was <laughs> terrible, too, because if it, she was just like, by the time she's hitting the, the freaking tree, it's like she was hitting with the side of her. It's yeah. just, It was just, imbe- it, but that's the kind of the point. Sure. Um, what is the point of her chopping down a tree? Mm. Is it just giving her brain numbing work to do? Uh, that's a really good question. I was not totally sure watching this episode. Because her lack of progress, it wasn't like she was getting in trouble. It was just this... It felt very Mr. Miyagi. It felt like, you know, if, I, if I'm going to go with the new one, take your jacket off, put it on the ground, pick it up, put it on. Uh... That sort of thing. Like, w- we're going to take thought out of the equation. But that actually had value, you found that later. It did, yes. That, that it was actually teaching muscle memory for other things that you could build on. Sure. And, and working those muscles out. This just seems like... I don't see the value in this, but I, it's got to be there. Is it like just to do things with that question? Hmm. Clear, you know. I, I don't know. I think mean, we don't have enough. Well, she's gleefully chopping. So what happens in at her storyline here? Anyway. At, yes, at the beginning, she hates it. She's resistant to it. Eventually, she surrenders. I, and man, now that, she is gleefully chopping away. Her last scene is where I kind of get angry about people's people have seen four episodes of this and said that her character is flat and her acting bland. Mm. I think she did a really impressive work at losing, you know, because it's not just she was happy. She like was like hysterically happy. But then there was like it mo- yeah. melted in despair and then a little bit of anger. And there's so much <laughs> going on in her wood chopping scenes. I, I thought she did amazing work. 
it's not her fault that she's most oftenly called in to be a slack-faced object of someone's affection. Sure. It was like Jennifer Connelly. You could argue about that the first half of her career. She was a strikingly beautiful earth goddess and that willing was to just, go ass to ass i mean not willing many. to go that was just there to put a film for people to kind of like you know to yep. move the plot along she was the carrot for whoever else's stick david bowie's stick <laughs> lots of people's stick. uh so it's like i don't know it's like that doesn't mean she can't act when she has to sure no i i take nothing away from her i thought she did a great job uh as far as her character goes i don't i don't think it's flat but i do think it's a bad proxy for the audience i think if I'm going into this cult... I don't know that she's supposed to be that, but go ahead. Sure, sure. But, okay, my thing is I want to see more about what this cult is. Sure. Uh, I'm not getting any of that except through Liv Tyler. Uh, what's her actual character's name? Meg. Meg. Um, so she's. we don't know anything about her, right? Her past, her history with the disappearing we we know she was a person of interest to the cult for whatever reason she was and and she was also distraught by the disappearing three years out she was still distraught i mean we get that from her husband yeah we don't know in what ways it manifests or why she how she's personally involved yeah the why or how is the problem i have because as someone going into this cult for the first time the only person we see going into it for the first time i want to know how a normal person could be taken into this cult and she's not a normal person, in my view. That's I, and I think that because we don't know enough about her. That must be part of the weaning process. And I, I, I would think it would be super interesting to find out how and why they target these people to dossiers. Maybe it's just random, yeah, and then yeah. they find people that have an emotional resonance, and then they just continue sure. to needle. Maybe there are no normal people in here. Maybe there are no people who are unaffected. Well, I'm just by saying this that, event. like, if you're assigned to watch a normal person, just be like, get the fuck out of here, and like, you know, doesn't express the reaction that they're looking for. Because that's the other thing about cults. But you keep they doing it. They know who they're looking for. That's true. Yeah. They're not looking for people that are happy. They're, people that are, they're looking for you <laughs> at your most vulnerable point where you feel like sure. no one is on your side. And they will swoop in and love bomb you until you are kind of like clinging to them like a light preserver. Yeah. I feel like there's got to be something to that as well. It is. I, I just wish I had more of an insight into this cult. And I wish that Liv Tyler, that Meg was more of that. Hmm. That's the only problem I have with her character. But, you know, if it doesn't serve that purpose, then it's not a problem. Well, it also gives us an oh, – it also is interesting because we're learning more about Meg, but we're also learning more about Lori, Kevin's wife, at the same time. It's true, yeah. And that we see – even if last episode didn't sell it for us, that she's got – there's still a lot of unsolved emotional things between her and her husband. And maybe – She's not every single day sure that she should be there or wants to be there. Yeah, you wonder what's how her much... relationship with the cult. Yeah, how much did she really want to write surrender on that piece of paper? How how much baggage is in that one word for her? Yeah, I don't know. It's a good question because so far I see nothing that drove her to the cult. Right. Unless I, you know, her husband's drinking problems and maybe he shot their dog. <laughs> Again, we got some we got some awesome feedback on that, which okay, we're about cool. ready to get to because. I don't have any other than it was kind of interesting to see the mechanics of how you handle a missing persons report when the people just, you know, it's like they get these, I guess, regular uh, warrants to search the home and they go through, you know, you'd think that they would be legally legally required to report when people show up to their cult before they just take them in. Like, you know, if this is a missing person, maybe not. Eh. It's hard to enforce that. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I can't see them being responsible for that. I'm. Do you think that this with because we already see two kind of cults with significant power that have come on the scene. Maybe there's even a cult task force. What these people are talking about. Do you feel like that there is some that we're going to find out more special legislation, or there's a special point of emphasis being a you know that these cults are a threat to our national security. That there's special. I could crackdown. totally see that. I mean, they jumped to national security threat almost immediately with this Wayne guy. Right. I mean, it feels like there's some kind of weird Patriot Act where there's yeah. like if you meet this many buzzword bingo, uh, you know, buzzword bingo. I don't even think you need a weird Patriot Act. You just need the Patriot <laughs> Act, and you're there. Yeah, these are religious <laughs> extremists, and they're right? you know, raping young girls and abducting people off the streets, and it's a clear and present threat to our national security. Go in there and hosing down, boys. Yeah, it, it really seems like it. Uh, why don't we do a little pimping and then get the feedback? Okay, if you've enjoyed our podcast, uh, the only reason we're able to bring it to your ear holes is the fact that uh, we're supported by listeners such as yourself. There's ways that you can go about, first of all, thanks for listening, uh, first of all. Second of all, uh, if you'd like to support us, there's a couple ways you can go about doing it. One is to go pick to up s- a pack of cigarettes and a white robe. <laughs> always oh, be smoking. Oh, oh. ABS. Always be smoking. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, coffee's for smokers. Never forget that. Uh, no, you go to subbable.com, S U B B A B L E dot com slash bald move. We need like a jingle for that so people can remember it. You send to us all your worldly possessions. <laughs> One at a time. You go buy a white robe at Walmart. Mm hmm. And we will continue to make the podcast, and you continue to tell people about Bald Move. Uh, in actuality, you can send a tiny fraction of your worldly resources to us in exchange for Bald Move memorabilia and unique opportunities like custom podcasts. Uh, uh, Shiki uh, uh, had a request for us to do Murphy's Law, a very old or I guess seven-year-old uh, BBC crime drama. Uh, we did a custom podcast for that. We did one on Metalocalypse. We've done a couple others. That's like the big brass ring, but there's a lot of other things you can do that are unique. Uh, and what's cool about it is it's not like Kickstarter where you have to push, you know, a, you got to put a pile of money in, a, in the middle and then pull a lever and it's gone and you get that one thing. You can like save up like over months, a buck here, a buck there to get the reward you actually want. It's like, mm-hmm. what'd you call it? Kickstarter, Kickstarter on, on layaway. layaway. Yeah. We need to trademark that. Subbable.com slash bald move. That's a great way to help us out. If you're an Amazon shopper, please, please, please. It's so easy. It's stupid. Amazon.baldmove.com. It takes it to Amazon's site, and you're done. Anything you buy on that session will get a teeny tiny cut off. It doesn't cost you anything. It just costs Jeff Bezos' pocket. Mm-hmm. What's he going to do with it? Develop drones? We're making <laughs> podcasts here. Uh, that's obviously the bet you want to make. Bald, uh, subbable. Not, Jesus Christ. Amazon.baldmove.com. Finally, if you can't do any of that, please rate and review us on iTunes. We have the iTunes feed approved and up. It's going to be in the show notes. Click there. Spend 30 seconds giving us a couple stars and some words of kindness. That really helps us grow our audience. And if you can't do any of that, tell a friend or family member or coworker about Bald Move. Turn them on to us. We'll see if we can get them to put on the white robes. (laughs) Sure, but I mean... If you're a nihilist, what good is any of it? Nothing. In <laughs> fact, in fact, the bald move suffering heat death is probably just, you know, it's an inevitable. inevitability. Yeah. Because yeah. we'll die eventually, right? Sure. I've got 40 years left if I'm lucky. If I stop <laughs> drinking right now, maybe. Yeah. This is all on a timer, people. <laughs> Hit the eject switch now. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. 
Oh, boy. My life. What is it? Uh, all right. Let's do some feedback. Yeah? Let's do some feedback. Um, Lisa writes in and says she thinks she actually gave a ton of book spoilers. And I was like, skip, 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 skip. Can't read. But she did have some interesting things at the end. She says she feels like the writers and the producers do a good job of giving us a perspective of how we could deal with this. Uh, Kevin is an example of people just keeping on, keeping on. Uh, Jill is an example of people living dangerously, not giving a fuck. Uh, Wayne is an example of someone starting a cult. Uh, Lori is an example of someone giving up. She wants to know, is there any other type of ways that people could deal with this? Oh, yeah. I mentioned white-hot murderous anger. Sure, straight-up suicide. Self-destruction, uh, sure. No, no, I mean, like, not a lot self-destruction, of these, just are, killing yourself. Y- this, Oh sure, sure, but I mean yeah. self destruct. I mean that's that's kind of like the suicide light is to yeah, live in a way that's way. kind of the well a little bit of and you can mix and match. This is like you know <laughs> nihilism bingo. Take uh-huh. whatever you want. Um, what else could there? What what other possible reactions in all the uh, human gamut? Could, yeah, yeah, you could try to take life to its absurd extremes of joy as well. I mean, we only we only have the the time that we're in right now, so live it up. I'm surprised there isn't like if 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 you believe that this is like the rapture and maybe you missed the first cut for whatever reason. I'm surprised there hasn't been like some uh, hardcore Opus Day type of hmm. you know whipping yourself and wearing hair shoot hair hair shirts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that just extreme. Uh, like as a matter of faith, inflicting pain on oneself because that's a very mm-hmm. easy way to transmute emotional pain to physical pain. Yeah, yeah. Time tested. That's works. what cutting's all about, right? That's what cutting's yeah. all about. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm sure those people are out there. We just haven't seen. We need like a Forrest Gump running cult. All right, yeah. Just running around, getting those endorphins going. Most people already the, exist. Staying running high. Yeah, there just needs to be more of them. Uh, a gaming marathon. Game till you die, literally. Hmm. <laughs> That's perfect. Currently being perfect in South Korea. Sure, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, no, I, if you can think of other interesting ways that you could tell, you could film people dealing with an apocalypse. We'd like to hear them. The apocalypse will be podcasted. Cinema at leftovers at baldmove.com. Eric W says, in regard of on your take uh, last podcast on how much would people go crazy if XXX happened, I think the difference. <laughs> it's pretty funny if you read that as like, uh, you know, what's the guy, the big lumpy dude that's in Fast and Furious? Vin Diesel. Big lumpy dude. <laughs> how pe- how much people would be crazy if Triple X happened? Well, we know. Oh, yeah. We just got to go back ten years and see what the box office results were. Sure. I think the difference between a scientific and metaphysical event is important. Your example of an asteroid that would leave us a couple million people down, but we would have a reason why we're a couple million people down. I think these people and their reactions are directly tied to just this dreaded feeling of unknown. Mm-hmm. I thought it was nicely underscored by the congressional testimony from the beginning. Uh, do you mean yeah. that you're scientists and your best answer is that you don't know? I'm not sure I agree with your take that there will be a minimum of sci-fi fantasy happenings. First of all, let's talk this point. Okay. I think he's underselling the point, and I feel like a lot of rational people do, of how easily something like an asteroid ended us. Uh, if it combined with the wrong type of uh, end-of-the-world eschatology that the vast majority of people are just going to be like, that's an act of God. And it doesn't matter that there's a scientific explanation. There's earthquakes that happen now. Yeah, yeah. And people, and it's like, well, it's because, you know, we let homosexuals live in this country. Yeah, so we're getting a lot more hurricanes. Oh, fuck you. I mean, but I'm saying that that's... 
but it those happens. people wouldn't be the lunatic fringe yeah, if yeah. something earthwide happened in conjunction with some other, you know, religious event. Sure, and I, I want to draw a very distinct line because I am at my heart a rational person. Certainly, between what people would do, uh, as people, what people would think happened and assume happened versus what you what conclusions you can actually draw from this event right mm-hmm. uh people would assume a lot of things right the fact that this happened out of the blue completely and they have been unable to, to define a cause for it leads 100 percent perfectly rationally to the answer i don't know but people are not 100 percent perfectly rational no and, and you totally. can argue whether they should be or not but they certainly are not. Totally. And so I'm with you that you would have zealots of all kinds coming out of the woodwork here. Right, And, right, and the right. vast majority of the populace would find those people and glom onto them. Sure. You'd have the Herald campings out there telling people to just give it all up and wear white robes and smoke cigarettes. Sure. Uh, he continues, I'm not sure I agree with your take that there will be a minimum of sci-fi fantasy happenings. You talked a lot about the dogs, but we see that deer a couple of times. Was it the same deer? He hit it pretty hard with his car. And the fact that it was the dude's kitchen was enough for me to be expecting a lost amount of supernatural, at least. It's a revenge we- kitchen thrashing. <laughs> hit me with your car, yeah. And I hit, right. my, I hit your kitchen with my body. <laughs> uh, we kind of came around thinking, and of course he sent this after last episode, Yeah, thinking that that, we don't really know what to make of the deer. The deer might be the unanswered thing of him being crazy that we just don't know about. Yeah, it's interesting because... Uh, I can't. So I hate having conversations right before a podcast about mm. stuff because I can't remember what we said on air. And what sure, we sure. Uh, did we say on air at the beginning of this podcast um, that that was not mentioned in we did. the intervening three weeks? Okay. We did. Then yeah. I will not go there again. Okay. Uh, Kelly F says, I want to yell cut every time I see Liv Tyler. <laughs> Kelly, I think you're being unfair. A little bit, yeah. She's doing. She's. I don't. How. I mean, leaving on a jet plane goes through my head, but that's about it. <laughs> Until the animal crackers come out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm content with her performance so far. <laughs> RJD says, if he really wants to know who the dog slayer is, Kevin can simply pull fingerprints off the six-pack's cardboard box, right? Mm. Uh, or, like I said, there's reams of physical evidence in that truck, most likely. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it seems like that is a plot hole. Uh, our old pal Tom G said... Uh, Kevin could agree to meet the upcoming dog massacre or uh, agree to meet for the upcoming dog massacre and show up with a few of his fellow officers, arrest the bald dude, seize the truck, sell it and get new softball uniforms and a new toaster for the police department. Uh, Again, that seems like if you are really trying to get to the bottom of this mystery. Yeah. A course of action you could take. Yeah. I I mean, just show up at the location with anybody. Right. Work camera and say. Do you see that guy? Point to him. Uh-huh. Say, do you see a person standing right next to us? Right. If they answer yes or no, you have your answer. Uh, no, I I totally agree. And the only thing that I think that we're discounting is how much Kevin personally believes in this guy's mission about the dogs. Okay. Having experience like that, maybe he's thinking that they're that this is this guy's doing the Lord's work, and so you don't want to bust him. All right, I, don't even bust him. Just ask somebody if they see him. That's all <laughs> Bring I'm along saying. Bring Jill. Yeah. Jill or Amy. Leave Jill below. Jill's a little, you know, too. She's not as crazy as Amy. Bring Amy along. Amy's all about killing dogs, I can tell. 
Okay. Michael VC said, I feel like the show isn't getting the proper buzz. The narrative is it's very bleak, but it's much more than bleak. It's thought-provoking, well-written, and the acting has been excellent. I see people on Twitter saying the show stinks because they're confused. Uh, the fun of the show for me, at least, is being confused and trying to figure things out. I think the show is great and will only get better. In hindsight, I don't think True Detective started to really gather steam until its third episode. From what most of the critics are saying, next week is a great watch, so we'll see. But I hope the buzz picks up so we get a second season. I don't care whether we get a second season or not. I care that the first season is satisfying, and then if we yeah. if, if it deserves a second season, then I'll get it. Um, I, very I, rarely have I repped the show that I like that, you know, maybe Firefly. Okay. They wanted really more got, seasons. Yeah, and HBO is yeah. not the kind of network that will do that. No, certainly. Uh, I, I do feel um, his confusion quite a bit, though. I feel like, like Tom, like I'm thrown into the deep end of the story and I'm just screaming, <laughs> trying to figure it all out. You know, it's weird because I feel like this show is the anti-True Detective because I remember all the preseason buzz with the Seppenwalls and the Greenwalds and everybody saying that this show is kind of same old, same old. It's a bunch of male anti-hero, uh, mm-hmm. navel-gazing, suppressive, it's dark. And then the people were like, nah, this is shit hot. We've never seen anything like this. This is awesome. And the critics huh. begrudgingly came around towards the end. This is different. Like, almost every major critic I've read is totally on board with this and has read the books and is, like, lapping it up. But the populace is kind of, like, ho-humming it. Yeah. I think it has a lot to do with Damon Lindelof. Yeah, I think you're right. Some people can't get over that. Yeah. Uh, A few observations after Second Watch. Michael continues. During the interview Nora Dirtz did with the family that lost her son, they said, "Do do we have to answer all the questions to get our check? Nora then says, as many as you can. I thought that might be an underhanded comment on Lost by Lindelof. Contrary to the vocal minority, Lost answered many of its main questions. They didn't answer all, but as many as they could. I personally am very satisfied with the ones they answered. We need to have a 150 questionnaire about, you know, what was your relationship with Lost? How many seasons did you watch? What do you Uh, think about? And then index that with how much they like the following. There you go. Scientific discovery. (laughs) Jamie T says the teenagers who make pretty or petty messes for attention couldn't handle the adult making a petty mess for attention. I like that parallel. Like these, this whole first episode was them doing stupid stuff as a call, you know, as a cry for attention. And yet they are like super judgy about this woman doing the same thing. Uh, She says in the end, I think Bella Swan is what is her pet name. Who? Bella Swan, she's the protagonist of Twilight. Oh, Christ. Uh, uh, who is, is she talking about, Jill? She's, she's, she's talking about Jill. Okay. So, saw in that woman another heartbroken human trying to cope. Uh, I'm loving the show, but I will not outlast the first season if it keeps compounding on the mystery. Someone said this on Seppenwall's review, and I have to share, the guilty remnant is a metaphorical representation of ex-lost fans. Yeah. Uh, they're the angry remnant, apparently. They're the ARs. Yeah. Uh, and I'm with you, Jamie. If this if this keeps building in season one and we get no answers, I'm probably punching the eject button as well. David J, we've we've, we've run the gamut of reactions. I absolutely hate this show. I forced myself to watch huh. the second episode and found it to be boring as all hell. I practically <laughs> fell asleep. The writing is not great. The acting is not great. Most of all, I just don't give two shits about any of those people, let alone what happened to the, par- right. the departed. It does feel like Twin Peaks to me. The show is trying to be weird just to be weird. Two episodes in, I'm out. It's horrible. 
I, so, I can't argue with people's reactions. I, and I feel no, like no. this is for sure a polarizing show if you ignore the lost baggage. Sure. This is the, not everyone's cup of tea. The part in there specifically that I do agree with is that I don't care much for any of these characters yet. It's It's... I understand that there is one event that happened to them that made them all the way they are, but why? Like, I want to see a little bit of flashbacks or something. The, you know, that's a good point because there's so many characters. I feel like it's a grab bag that you probably should yeah. identify with one of them. I'm the same way. I'm watching this like a therapist taking notes, but I'm not like, oh, yeah, mm. I totally get this guy. Yeah, yeah. I understand what uh, you know this is the guy that appeals to me this is how i would react in the situation it seems like that guy should be kevin but making him potentially crazy is, nullifies that yeah uh-huh so right on i don't know unless they show me something identifiable in these characters i'm not i'm gonna have a hard time being on board too Austin R said, hey, Aaron and Jim, time for fan theory after episode two i was still wondering why Lori was in the gr cult sorry not a cult when she hasn't appeared to lose any immediate family members. Yeah. My theory is that she was early into a pregnancy that she was keeping from Kevin and lost the baby during the disappearance. Oh, the baby just gone? If the baby is like a pre like a first trimester baby gets raptured, that's uh-huh. also, that's that's a whole other can of worms, man. That's you're you're that's that just raises physiological questions. <laughs> like Yeah, no, man. I, like I by, when a when a child is just taken out of a womb wholesale i kind of hope they go there because i feel like that is going to cause people to really lose their shit probably inver m continues not sure if i missed it last week not that it matters but was kevin wearing guy liner this episode or his eyes naturally dark like the dude from lost who plays richard alpert mm, yeah, yeah. In this day and age wouldn't oh wait that's just a standalone comment He's wearing the I don't dude, know. dude, dude, I didn't dude has it. fantastically dark eyelashes. Very, right. very fetching. Let's go with that. In this day and age, wouldn't it be easier if the GRs used some sort of device like a phone or tablet to communicate via text <laughs> rather than scribbling down on paper pads? Lori's got a laptop she was using before it got slammed on her fingers. That's not a bad mm-hmm. point. Sure. Maybe it's an Amish thing where they can do it that they choose not to as another. Yeah, they, they write on tablets to show their faith. Uh, cool piece from Canada says, since you both were disturbed by the dog scenes in the pilot episode, I thought I should correct an impression I got from your podcast. It seemed to imply that Kevin had shot the dog. His daughter found the trunk. No. In fact, it was the dog that was shot while he was out on his jog, which made me jump out of my seat. The mystery man shot the mm-hmm. dog. Kevin looks at the collar, puts him in the car off screen and then finds his owner and tries to give her peace of mind and lets her know that the, she found her dog and tries to return the collar to her. Yeah. Uh, to me, this completely changes the ending of the episode because he goes from someone that would never kill an animal, his daughter even says as much, mm-hmm. uh, to someone that believes that maybe the mystery man is right after he witnesses the savage attacks of the deer by the pack. These are no longer our dogs. Um, it's okay. I, first of all, I just wanted to read that. If there's anyone that was under that impression to correct that. Yeah, I can't remember what we might have said to give that impression. I think you did goof up a little bit about the guilty remnant and whether they were actually disappeared or not, and maybe there was some conflation on that. But I want again, I wanted to kind of correct that record. And also, her point where she, I think she took it too far in saying that if this guy is a figment of Kevin's imagination, then it's entirely likely that Kevin shot the dog in the beginning as well. That's the thing. I mean, we wouldn't have known that in the first episode. The first episode is played like this dog shooter shot the dog. He stuffed it in the trunk. Right. 
Uh, given the second episode, you could make an argument that Kevin actually shot that dog. Uh, continuing Turner from Lincoln, Nebraska said 4% of the world's bagels just disappeared. Where did they go? They were no better than the rest of them. Uh, now, See, that would have been an inception moment. He sticks his hand into the oven, he's searching around, and then it just cuts. <laughs> or his eyes light up like he but might we don't feel know. something, but maybe he doesn't. Well, well, we don't know. Maybe this his hands got roasted. Although if they were the like super salt encrusted or onion bagels, I would argue that they were, in fact, worse than the rest of them. It'd be a shame if like some nice cinnamon raisin bagels got raptured. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or some blueberry bagels. You can have all the salt encrusted <laughs> French onion ones you want. Well, they didn't get right. I think that's just how he likes his bagels. That was <laughs> nothing with his insanity. He burnt. just left them in there all day. The rotten I'll hellfire. I'll come back tonight. <laughs> uh, we have, this is the light spoiler from a book reader take. Oh, boy. That I'm saving for the end. Just so if you don't want to hear it, you can turn off now. If you'd like to give us more feedback. You can do so at leftovers at baldmove.com. You can join our weekly show threads on facebook.com slash baldmove. And you can also talk to Jim with your little personal pet theories on Twitter at baldmove. And if you're staying on past here, it's because you want to hear an assessment on the essential mysteries and whether they're answered or not from a person who's read the books. Okay. Without further ado, we'll get to Jeff said, I did it, guys. I heard about the show months ago, so I finally decided to read a book before the show aired so I could be in on all the spoilers. Joke's on you, Jeff, for not doing spoilers in this podcast. <laughs> the problem is I thought the book was a big letdown. While watching the show, I find myself thinking I would have enjoyed it more if I hadn't read the books. I guess it comes down to the fact that if you're looking for answers, you will be let down. There are no answers, and I mean none. It follows these characters and how they flow in this new life, and that's it. It really ends no differently than where it started. There is no mystery at all. After listening to the podcast, I realized that what you guys thought might be going on was way more interesting than what will happen. Oh, no. If anything, I'd be interested to see what happens after the book in this world, and I hope the first season will be that mm. book, and then they become more creative on their own going forward in future seasons. Hope I didn't burst a bubble, but we'll be watching and listening. That's pretty free. That's bleak. And... Yeah. I've already heard that there are some things, like significant deviations from the book. I don't know what those are. Okay. But I've heard that there are some. I don't really care to hear them. So. I don't either, and I didn't care to read them, so I kind of like <laughs> okay. crossed my eyes. I'm and just went, saying, la, la, la. don't tell me. <laughs> so I, I just wonder if that is because, you know, you, there's a lot of people lined up on the Game of Thrones forum to tell you how different the books are from the this, this series. Yeah, and so far, as a book Reddit. fan, I'm like, eh, eh, meh. meh. Maybe yeah. this season and next season will be a departure, but who, so far, seasons one through three, pretty freaking devoted. Uh, so I don't know. Like, anytime I read someone saying that, I take it with a grain of salt because mm-hmm. there's a major deviation in the fact that uh, the sheriff's wearing a guy liner and he wasn't in the books. Is <laughs> okay. it that, that it was a, a pack of wild cats and not dogs? I mean, mm-hmm. that could be significant departure for some people. I'd be much more likely to shoot a herd of wild cats. <laughs> <laughs> just on that pack of wild dogs hell yeah <laughs> yeah you go outside and there's like 12 dogs lying in your driveway mm-hmm. it's like you know what what's going on with that you and you go out and there's like 12 cats lined up that's in your driveway. apocalypse to me that scary shit right there um so i don't know if we don't get any answers to any of these questions but but they're not set up as mysteries they're just i think the question that he's talking about is why the disappearance happened yeah it, it, it in relation to we're not getting any answers. 
Uh, I'm okay with that. I'm fine with that, too. I don't necessarily need an answer for the disappearance. What I do want answers to is why things shaped up the way they did after the disappearance. Because that's character-focused. Well, and I also want to know whether things like, is the person that is the my primary protagonist in the show, is he a reliable narrator? Sure. You know, am I supposed to believe that this is a supernatural... Um, rapture event or is this some kind of natural phenomenon or i mean that that's uh, probably i'm not gonna get, get the that. answer to that yeah you won't get that one is this but are which which do the primary protagonists believe mm-hmm. i think that's valid to know sure uh you know um anything that influences the behavior of these characters going forward i want to know sure and that means everything potentially even before the disappearance happened okay. we need to know what kind of life they had before that sure. how it changed after that I think that makes a lot of sense. As to why the disappearance happened, I don't really care. All right. Well, uh, speaking of not caring, this podcast is over. And I don't, <laughs> I don't care. know why that speaks. And I don't give a I shit. Think, I think we did. This is already a full-ass podcast. We've, we've screwed around and got ass. to be full-ass. It's, it's got an ass on it. <laughs> Lots of junk in this trunk. Let's get out of here. You've, we've, you're, you already know leftovers at baldmove.com, facebook.com yep. slash baldmove, twitter at baldmove. That's all I got. All right. Till uh, next Tuesday. Yeah, we'll be back next Tuesday. Uh, until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See you.